Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for parents who want to succeed at work while also raising children. My name is Lori Mahalik-Levin. I'm a healthcare lawyer, founder of a program called Mindful Return that helps employers to retain their new parent top talent. And I am mama to two wonderful redheaded boys who are now nine and 11 years old. I am joined today by my co-host and amazing husband, Jason Levin. Hey there, Jason. Hi there, Lori. And hello there, amazing co-host and wonderful <laughs> wife. Welcome, everyone. I'm the founder of Ready, Set, Launch, LLC, where I'm a speaker, trainer, and coach. I advise executives on how to grow their professional services practice and make intentional career transitions. My debut book, Relationships to Infinity, The Art and Science of Keeping in Touch, is now available on Amazon and wherever you find books online. Thanks, Jason. So if you've been following along on this podcast, you know that we take a particular industry or sector or role and interview a couple of moms and a couple of dads in that particular area. And this month, we're interviewing moms and dads who are diversity professionals. Um, if you haven't yet had a chance to listen to our conversation with Jaya Saxena and Kamila Knight, who are moms in diversity, we had a wonderful conversation. And we've had a great conversation with Ken Emo. We're now here to talk with another fantastic dad in uh, diversity, Juan Otero. Over to you, Jason, to tell us a little bit about Juan. Yes, welcome, Juan. So Juan Otero serves as Senior Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Comcast Corporation, where he leads DEI initiatives across Comcast NBC Universal, focusing specifically on governance, public policy, and strategic employee engagement. His responsibilities include oversight of DEI analytics, organizational alignment on the company's public policy positions with DEI implications, broad activations of employee resource groups and related volunteerism platforms, and development of targeted DEI workforce education and training. He also supports integration of DEI into Comcast NBC Universal's community impact initiatives. Juan is married to his wonderful wife, Jalissa, and they have an active son, Julian, who is five. Juan holds a JD from the Benjamin N. Cardoza School of Law and an MPA from American University. Welcome, Juan. Great to be here. Welcome to both of you. Yeah, glad to have you, Juan. Yeah. So we always like to kick off by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about your own personal working parent story. How'd you wind up where you are in the working parent world? Well, how I wound up as a working parent. Um, Married a little bit later to my wonderful wife, both hard-charging professionals. Met this wonderful, beautiful, smart, intelligent woman when we were, it's an interesting story, Comcast had just acquired NBC Universal. She was running the Telemundo affiliate networks. Was having lunch at Art and Soul, a restaurant in D.C., with a mutual friend at another table. I was having lunch with a friend that she knew, and they introduced us. We're going to have a lot of work to do because, you know, we had the affiliate relationship and we need to get to know each other just from a just from a cadence of how we were going to work. I was doing external affairs at that time. So it was a work relationship and a corporate merger that really brought us together. And after that, it was just, you know, we became fast friends I'm convinced she was flirting with me, and I still have witnesses at that point. She denies it. But that's how we, we first met. As you go a little bit further, you know, the professional relationship, we start seeing each other on the social set, just, uh, you know, just sort of the, you know, the rubber chicken set, if you will, in D.C. 
one thing led to another and I just knew that she was perfect for me and thank God for low standards. She settled. Um, and, uh, <laughs> fast forward, you know, we had our, the light of our life, Julian. Amazing. Um, I love how corporate merger turns into personal merger. That's it, a great it, story. <laughs> it gets even more complicated not to jump ahead because at one point she went to the FCC. So it was a relationship that has been, had a whole bunch of guardrails put on by federal ethics laws. So even though mm. we were married, yeah, and she was, you know, had over the FCC oversight over Comcast Corporation. To be perfectly clear, to all your listeners, she uh, made sure that she had no uh, oversight or involvement with any FCC proceedings around. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. um, but it did make for an interesting, like, hey, we're going to this event. I'll talk to my general counsel. You talk to your general counsel and let's get a waiver so we can go have dinner together. So, yeah, that, that was a process for a year plus. Yeah, and she was and very much, very much pregnant with Julian at that point, by the way. That's funny. And um, probably not entirely uncommon in worlds like D.C., where there are these sorts of conflicts that arise and yeah. lots of different roles. Yeah. How would you describe what it's like to be a parent who is working in diversity, equity and inclusion? So it's an interesting, I, you know, in thinking about this conversation, it was really interesting food for thought and having a child a little bit later in life, um, doing this work, which really changed a lot post George Floyd in terms of the raising of the issue of equity. And for me, the equity means, you know, what are the outcomes that you want to have? You can have diversity is about numbers, inclusion is about creating a culture, but is it the outcomes that are we getting? And as a parent in this space, it certainly made me think about from a corporate entity, for example, what are we doing to be implicative or additive to those parents in the area of digital equity, for example? That's our sweet spot. That's where we're putting all of our energy because it's about creating intergenerational wealth, but it's also creating about education and ecosystem. So I think that lens as a dad coupled with just, you know, frankly, my upbringing coming from the South Bronx and seeing, you know, so many inequitable outcomes manifest every day Mm -hmm. on the street of the South Bronx. And how did I know that there were so many inequitable outcomes? (laughs) Because we would go take a train, 161st Street, four train into New York City and ask the question for my perennial question of like, why are these streets swept and ours not? Why is there so much violence here? Why is there graffiti? Why are there, you know, there's a whole ton of societal issues. But I think to your point is as a dad, you just gives you a different viewpoint. And I certainly from a, you know, sort of a growth standpoint, a level of empathy and to be even more blunt with you, sort of the post-George Floyd world, raising a brown child in the United States, looking at that little boy and thinking about, like all parents, you know, when they leave the house, you always ask, may the angels look after them. Mm-hmm. But then really thinking about this implication of race, of he is different. And, you know, we are living, you know, because we've worked really, really hard and very blessed, live in this lovely northern Virginia suburb where he is the only brown kid in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. this work sort of feeds that notion that you know we have to lift all boats and this isn't something that we can do performatively we have to think about like all of our roles again from a comcast standpoint just focusing on 
what can we do to lift all boats through a digital equity lens from a DEI lens, from a workforce standpoint, how can we bring folks into the company and make sure we have an inclusive culture that makes sure they stay and thrive much like I have. From a small business standpoint, our RISE program, how can we help small businesses? We do, you know, we do the big procurement plays because, you know, we're a big company. We buy big things. We buy them in bulk. But what can we do to help those small businesses through grants, education, and so forth who have been weathered like everyone else going through this COVID-19 recession well, I'm not quite sure if it's a recession. People are arguing about that. <laughs> but this economic uncertainty that I think we've all lived through for the mm-hmm. last half plus years. I don't know if that remotely yeah. answers the question. but No, there, there's a lot packed in and yeah. can go in all different directions. I think your point about things that caused you to stay leads very nicely into Jason's next question. Yeah. And I love how you're talking about your own evolution at Comcast and how you talk about, you know, how you see uh, your own role now that uh, Julian has been born. When Julian was born, talk a little bit about what workplace support or benefit did you find helpful as you became a working parent? It's a wonderful company. I have to tell you that, you know, the when Julian came to us, you know, we didn't know what the hell we were. I didn't know what the hell we were doing. I wasn't quite sure even the questions to ask about. No one does. No one does. Yeah. When a baby arrives. Yes. <laughs> I like, is there a family leave? You know, is there, you know, what part of me was like, look, I've done my bit for king and country for this place. Two mergers, et cetera. It's like, how do I manage my day to day? And I had a wonderful boss that just said, here's what we have available. And uh, we're going to make it work literally for the first three months of this process, make yourself available, follow whatever protocols, but your priority is going to be taking care of your baby and your wife. So the benefits are all great and the time off is all wonderful, but it was that culture. It was that sort of sense of it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say, I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. And I'm afraid that I'm either going to drop him or forget him or like, you know, I'm going to do something that's going to jar him for the rest of his life. Literally had sort of the, my God, what have I done moment? And just amazing bosses, amazing supporters who were just, you're going to figure this out every day, day by day. He's going to be fine. And, you know, work is going to be fine. So it was a different kind of balance that I had, a new equilibrium, because you just don't realize how hard and heavy you're constantly going until you have something that reprioritizes your life. And that's what it did, really hit the reset button for me. And luckily, I was in an atmosphere that allowed for that. I won't lie. It was like this moment of terror of like, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to talk to? What are my benefits? How do I maneuver this? Will I be able to maintain, you know, sort of a professional level that I've been at before at the same time, never compromising on the time I need for my son? You know, it's a balance. And I think all parents have to do this. It's literally Jalissa and I have this conversation every day of like, how are we going to maneuver the day? How are we going to maneuver to make sure that he's getting what he needs? And Sometimes that's a little bit her and that sometimes it's a little bit me. Full disclosure, this morning, you know, I was swamped. She dropped him off to uh, his first day of camp, literally finding that kind of balance. But it's a constantly changing balance as your little ones get bigger, as everybody knows, those challenges change. And those finding how to manage your ever evolving child is really something you've got to be thoughtful about. 
I think you're you're being true and you're being honest, you know, when your child is born and there's this all these different feelings and emotions that you have. And, you know, the the questions are, am I enough? Am I ready? And uh, I, I'm heartwarmed that you're you're sharing your inner voice. And frankly, that's what a lot of people are feeling. And often Lori talks about winning the management lottery, where clearly your team and the people around you were super supportive of your of becoming a dad, of becoming a, a parent. Yeah. And and, uh, and that's special. That's really special. And Jason, that was had such an imprint on me as I, you know, am a people leader now with my team. And whether that's all the familial stuff, all of the, you know, whether it's, you know, it's the births or the loss, it is that time off or whatever is going on in a personal side. I really lean in on the the, how can we make this work? How can we make this easy for you? Because as important work it, as, as it is, it, it's just work. And we all prioritize those things. So it was passing forward that kindness as a people leader to my folks and just really trying to be empathetic. The situation is much more easily handled than folks realize. But it's not necessarily an FMLA, you know, family leave, go fill out that form. Or maybe you can just take the next month off from home and we can play that by year. You know, those are the kinds of strategies. Those are the kinds of things that I take when dealing with my folks. We don't have to fo follow necessarily every pattern dictated by the rules, but let's try and be imaginative to make a situation that works for everybody. I love how you've taken what was done for you in such a favorable and positive way. And you're now uh, doing the same for your team and your people. And you're continuing that, that positive ripple. You know, when we think about support and benefits, curious uh, what supports or benefits then you have, but you think other parents might benefit from? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, again, I felt like I had an abundance of riches in terms of those types of the scaffolding. You know, I had the benefit of having my parents living on the other side of Arlington and an amazing mother-in-law that would pop down here on a dime. I'm trying to think of like what other opportunities or gaps we, we could fill in um, that we're lacking. Someone to give us time to sleep during the day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can actually have that. Uh, <laughs> I missed my pillow too one. I, yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm not being cheeky in the sense that, you know, we're, we're pretty much, I felt like we had a lot of scaffolding around here and we were pretty lucky about what we, getting what we needed, except for not enough hours sleep in the day, but that goes away too. So I don't have a good one on that one, Jason. I just, uh, I, I think, you know, Talking to folks about sort of the your own wellness and your yeah. own sort of it's okay. You're not going to have all the answers, and and your you know your little one's going to be okay. Availing myself of sort of that those wellness opportunities that we have in the company, where you can talk to folks about like the stress points. How do you take care of your wife? How do you take care of your partner? How do you take care of your kid? But also, how do you take care of yourself so you're not running yourself ragged, not going into the constant Catholic guilt that I'm just doing this all wrong? And so whether that's spiritual or whether that is just finding a, a neutral third party to, to shoot it out with, I think if I could go back, I think I would have given myself a little bit more grace in that space. I'm, you know, I'm glad you're talking about self-care, Juan, because I, I think you're right in a lot of ways. And I often talk about the saying that you put on your own oxygen mask first. And 
it's one of those things when when a child is born, you it's it's stressful. It's really really stressful. There's all these questions on how you show up, and so I'm glad you're talking about that because I think uh, as parents and as dads, you know, that's something that yeah, um, you know, we all should be talking more about. Yeah, and just just sort of the cultural norms that you know, coming from where I come from, it's like you know, my dad is you know he you're this Latino man and you're supposed to, you know, behave this way. You're supposed to, my dad's a great dad. He was so involved in all of these things, but um, you know, it, there's sort of a, a presence and showing for lack of better phrase, weakness or uncertainty is just something that you don't do. Part of my miss of not trying to, to just better take care of myself. This episode of the Parents at Work podcast is brought to you by Ready, Set, Launch, a boutique career coaching firm that supports executives in career and retirement transitions, as well as building their professional services practices. I'm Jason Levin, and I've been supporting executives achieving their goals in the private, public, and nonprofit sectors for the past 10 years. Based on those experiences, I decided to write a book called Relationships to Infinity, the art and science of keeping in touch. We say keep in touch, but we struggle to do so. I wrote this book so that my readers could have proven research-based tactics to keep in touch and reap all the benefits. I'm excited about this book and I know that you will too. Head over to readysetlaunch.net or connect with me on LinkedIn to learn more about the book. Be happy to learn more about your goals and your organization and how there might be a fit. Again, head over to readysetlaunch.net to get back in touch. Now, back to our episode. You know, you were talking about where you came from uh, in the Bronx, and I think that leads uh, into our next question. Let's go back in time with Juan, flashback in your career, you know, whether it be middle school or high school or college. What was your first ever paying job? My first ever paying job was a supermarket chain in New York City, D'Agostino's. I couldn't tell you exactly where it was. D'Agostino's. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. That's right. 76 and Lexington Avenue. And I know it well, right across from what is the name of the church? I can visualize it. It's, it had a huge imprint on me. You know, in retrospect, you think about it was like kind of a union paying job and it had health care. It was a different time in New York. It gave me a discipline. I probably should admit this on the podcast, but to this day, when I have my imposter syndrome moments in my sleep, I'm back at D'Agostino's. Again, it's good work. It's like, I, there's no, but it's, it's something that's sort of like, you know, from whence I came, that journey, it had such an imprint of like, you need to propel yourself. And while this is good work, there's a bigger, bigger picture for you. I remember the after I went to Brooklyn Tech, I remember the train rides. I remember just not quite sure how I did it with so little sleep because I would work the four to five till 10 o'clock and do that over again. I, I was a lot younger and my hair was a different color. So you when you say four to five in the morning or four to five in the evening? Evening, evening. So I would oh, do, wow. school, do school, go there, do that, go home. I did that three nights a week. And worked on Saturdays and Sundays. Yeah. Wow. That's a full week. That's a yep. really full week. I give you a lot of credit. Let's let's flash forward, Juan. In your career now, you've you know got a great deal of responsibility. And now that you're a parent, you're a dad, what do you think 
parenthood has helped you grow in terms of your own career-related skills? Definitely on the prioritization and what's really important. This is more mechanical, Jason, but certainly like I was a road warrior, like not a moment. It's really certain. What I always ask my team is whether the juice is worth the squeeze here. You know, so the travel, going back and forth, Philadelphia, New York, California, LA, you know, you know we, we've got a big footprint. So there's that piece of that kind of what really is a priority, because frankly, I don't want to be away from home and those moments that matter. I think the biggest thing that being a dad has taught me is really on a more macro level about what really matters at work and what is worth getting upset about. What's really the end game for things for, you know, just professionally, emotionally, you know, so much of what we do is defined by work. Being a dad has shifted that unquestionably in my mind. You know, um, it's like folks ask me, we were just joking about this billion dollar lottery ticket that went down. Love my job. Great profession. I love the work I do. What would you do if you won that? It was like, it would take me two seconds. Like, yeah, I'll be Julian's dad full time. It is about priorities mechanically and emotionally and substantively. Like, how are you looking at the lens of this job when should we be defining so much of what we do by our title, where we work, and the accoutrement of that, as opposed to what really matters? And to me, maybe folks can disagree with me. It's like, what matters to me are the the two other people that live in this house, you know, my wife yeah. and my little guy. That's really mm-hmm. great, Juan, how you like in in a lot of ways you you started to see what was important for you. Yeah, I mean, we talk about every like how do you get to the next level? I hear that all the time in corporate America. And I guess the question that I have for folks is that I'm mentoring or working with or myself is like, what's the opportunity cost for that? What does that meaningfully mean to you in terms of the next level? Because ultimately, you know, what's your happy place? Is it that next Teams meeting, that next Zoom meeting, or is it taking your little one to get ice cream? People have different value propositions. When talking Mm -hmm. to folks, it's like, look, you have to figure out what are your values. And it may be that career is what makes that brings you your happy space. I think I've gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, it's important and we balance it and it's like, give it a lot of attention, but it's not my happy place. As with so many, I think parenthood has been for you a perspective shifter. And I'm going to keep that is the juice worth the squeeze uh, phrase in mind. I don't, I'm sure I've heard it at some point, but it hasn't been fresh in my mind. And I think that's an excellent question for working parents to ask all the time. So one, as a dad who is advancing diversity in your workplace, what do you see as your role in shaping the conversation specifically around working? Oh, I, you know, I think as we talk about dimensions of diversity, so often we, we talk about the gender space and we talk about underrepresented populations. I think we have to be mindful of, you know, the intersectionality of DE&I across other dimensions of mm-hmm. diversity. And when you think about sort of the implications for parents, you know, of all straight stripes and There are more challenges, you know, when you're thinking about my reference earlier to raising a brown boy in the United States, Mm -hmm. it's a different kind of challenge. When I think about parents as caregivers for the PWD community, people with disabilities that are often just not talked about, that the totality of corporate America can do a much better job because we have cognitive and we have 
physical disability and the stress points that are on mom and dads and what that does to marriages and in terms of, you know, just I think the, the numbers are jarringly like above 50 percent failure rate. I think about that lens of how does this all interconnect? How is it intersectional? And what can we do for those parents, those caregivers who often just suffer in silence? Um, mm-hmm. you know, don't talk about this. I've had more than one occasion just to go just a little bit down a rabbit hole on this one about a, a mom with a, with a son who had special needs who did not want to tell him, did not want to self-ID, you know, to her work group, to her people leader that her son had special needs. And I'm like, well, like mm-hmm. out of the fear that when that uh, the next opportunity came up, the next growth project, the next promotion, would that be held against her? That says mm-hmm. something to me that we are not sending the right signals to parents because we need to create more scaffolding, not less, that there is no shame and we have to get away from the, the negativity, the, the horrible social construct around the word disability as a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. We're all different. And, you know, we're, our brains may be wired a little bit. Our physicality may be a little bit different, but we live in the 21st century and we should account for that. Yeah, no, thank you for raising the issue of parents who have children with special needs. It's a topic we haven't talked about too much on this podcast, but one that I know in the Mindful Return community, we care really deeply about. In fact, we have a program, a a course that's specifically designed to bring parents together who are working parents who have children with special needs and provide them some supports. And, you know, I've seen across the United States, there's been a rise in the number of parent affinity groups over the past, call it seven years, but there's also been a rise even more recently in subgroups within those working parent groups, specifically for parents who have children with special needs so that they can find one another and have yep. those safe spaces to have these conversations. So thank you for highlighting that. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're looking at just recently the, the 20th year of the ADA, and I think mm-hmm. that's been uh, just a really important milestone. I mean, just kind of anecdotally, I was reading about the one in 54 children born with autism there is no outbreak of autism. I think we're mm-hmm. diagnosing um, these kids and getting them the services that they need. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I just, again, from a corporate standpoint, asking me what it means for my job, it's sort of the self-IDing of people to come forward, you know, mm-hmm. and, and challenge. Because as we all have our own prejudices, our own stigmas, our you know cultural baggage, et cetera, but um, you can't have this sizable part of the population are dealing with these issues and we're acting, we're taking a view that they don't exist or we're not giving enough resources to support them. So something that I'm obviously passionate about and working on, uh, you know, really we're revisiting our uh, self ID campaign, you know, across the company um, and putting dollars to it to ensure that folks do feel safe to put their hands up and, and get the, cause that's how we can get the benefits and that's how we can get to you know, that support group, Lori, that you mentioned about, mm-hmm. like, how do people, it, you know, it's okay to talk about this. Unfortunately, we still have a real their mindset that it's not. Yeah, well, thank you for working toward destigmatizing the conversations. Over to Jason for our wrap-up questions. All righty, three questions and one for one. Uh, what's your number one best piece of advice for navigating life as a working parent? your number one book and your number one piece of technology? So the first one is relatively easy. Take a deep breath. I find myself doing a whole lot of heart breathing, heart-focused breathing. 
because it's like, okay, don't have the freak out moment, whether professionally or but don't write the email, as my wife says. Don't like just <laughs> take a deep breath and okay, you can go walk around the house for a minute and reposition yourself. That's what the five-year-old like, okay, he's not doing it on purpose. He's not doing it on purpose. He's just being a five-year-old. So yeah, that that's my advice there. Now, books are tough. I am a avid, avid reader. It's hard for me to narrow it down. My favorite classic is A Tale of Two Cities, which I read every year because it's just kind of reflective of like where I was and where I have you. Oh, sorry, not to interrupt one, but um, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Has um, your little guy gotten into the Dogman series yet? You know, he's right about there because he's got right now. Pete the Cat is still huge. Piggy and Elephant, which... When you cross the threshold into Dogman, there is a Dogman book called A Tale of Two Kitties. You will have to visit with him. Anyway, go on. Just a little bit of a secret, because I I do... like I found myself, from a wellness standpoint, missing the reading, because I was reading Piggy and Elephant all the time. I find myself getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning a couple days a week just to like have some read time. And people, that's crazy, but I was like, it's just that moment of quiet that I think parents and it's okay to be a little bit selfish and have that hour or two just to relish a book. Um, I don't think that's selfish at all. I think it's it's made me a better dad about like, you know, so yeah, there's, there's that. So I would go with Tale of Two Cities coupled with maybe The Godfather, which I read all the time um, and sort of try not to. I sort of like look at life that way because I think it's a great story and my favorite movie. Nice. And favorite technology. That's interesting because I work for a technology company, you know, although I, I will admit that I'm very anti-social media. It's just not my thing. You know, the sort of Facebook or all those sort of apps, I just think it's taken away from the human element in so many levels. I think uh, probably just really my cell phone you know, my iPhone really for the connectivity that it offers that I can talk to people all around the world on a dime and not worry about. And, and especially in COVID, that connectivity that it gave us. I'm a big believer in conversations, not texting. I want to hear your voice. I want to mm-hmm. see your face. And that maybe that makes me a dinosaur, but I'm fine with that. <laughs> well, it was such a pleasure to hear your voice today, Juan. Thank you for spending this time with us. Oh, it's been a delight. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for making it so easy. I love this. Yeah. Thank you for the conversation, for creating open spaces for dialogue around working parenthood. For those of you who are listening, we will be back again with more moms and dads in another role or industry or sector soon. If you enjoyed this conversation, please forward it to another working parent and especially another parent who might be interested in the diversity, equity and inclusion space. We look forward to being back together with you again soon. If you like the podcast, we would also love a rating on any of those places that you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, et cetera. And we'll talk to you again soon. Take care, everyone. 